0: The difficult child can find a lot of comfort in the gospel story. That Mm -hmm. us being good is not what makes us loved. We can't Mm -hmm. be loved more by doing good or less by doing bad. We just are loved as we are.
1: Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges, so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Nicole Raiden is here for her third and final podcast, and it has just been jam-packed with so much in it. I know I promised you that each podcast would be 15 to 20 minutes, but she just had so many good things to say that I didn't know what to cut so you're getting the full recording she'll be talking about love and logic for preschoolers and she'll be talking about how to prime kids for expectations and what to do when nothing else is working so let's go listen now okay nicole this has been so good and we've talked a little bit about preschool and it's been excellent, but I would like to talk a little bit more. Have you share with us some of the tools and tips for dealing with the preschooler in their unique needs? Can you share a little bit your thoughts about just how to deal with preschoolers with the love and Logic or any other techniques that you have?
0: Sure. So uh, preschoolers are my favorite age group. Mm-hmm. I find them hilarious and delightful and, and just fun. I think that, or I know that, uh, a lot of people don't share that perspective. (laughs) I coordinate our children's ministry at our church, and the preschool class is the least popular uh, volunteer location. And I think it's because preschoolers come with big feelings. Older toddlers and preschoolers are learning how to assert their will and how to get their way in in life. You know, human beings have free will. And when we learn that we can ask for or even demand to get our way, we naturally experiment with that. So preschoolers have very big feelings and big opinions on the way things should be and on things that are seemingly meaningless to us as adults from our adult perspective. The great thing about this is that it provides so many opportunities for learning for preschoolers. And I think that's one of the things that I delight in a lot is that the price tag is very small, right? Where they sit at the table to eat lunch, or what flavor granola bar they have, or uh, if they brush their teeth first or put their pajamas on first. These are all very small options, but it's an opportunity for a child to learn how to make choices and to practice that. And so, speaking of choices, one of the best things that you can do with a toddler or preschooler is to consistently offer choices. We as humans, strongly want control of something in our lives and preschoolers have very little control over the the flow of their day or what activities they do you know most of a preschooler's life is dictated by the adults in their life and so they will be it's natural that they would be grasping for control of something so making sure when you're working with or parenting a preschooler that you pepper the day with many many options to share control in appropriate ways So that can look like offering them a choice of two different color cups, or it can look like which of these two bedtime stories do you want to read? Offering lots and lots of opportunities for them to take a tiny bit of control will help lessen the chance that they will spiral into a tantrum because they've been able to assert their control in appropriate ways throughout the day. But unfortunately, that will not prevent all tantrums. All preschoolers and older toddlers will have tantrums, and that's healthy and normal and is an inevitable part of life. So what do you do? Well, one of the greatest tools in love and logic for parents of young children is what they call the Uh uh-oh song. The Uh uh-oh song is based on basic conditioning principles and is very is it's a very versatile tool. So how does it work? So the example that they use is as soon as a baby is old enough to throw their food on the floor from the high chair, they're ready for love and logic. (laughs) If you've ever interacted with a baby, you know that they love to play the throw and fetch game with adults. I'm going to drop my pacifier on the floor. Mom's going to pick it up and give it to me. I'm going to have it for two seconds and then I'm going to throw it on the floor again and fuss until I get it back over and over and over on repeat because it's delightfully fun (laughs) so when the child not (laughs) yes it's a (laughs) one-sided enjoyment experience so let's say that they're in their high chair they are having a meal or whatever and they are spit the food on the floor throw it onto the floor so rather than saying no, 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 we don't put our, you know, food stays on our high chair. Let's do this again. And then that exact experience repeats three times until you're frustrated, and then you're there, they're frustrated and uh and you don't know what to do. Um, so instead, utilizing Love and Logic's uh-oh principle, the first time they throw their food on the floor, spit their peas all over the carpet, you gently sing, uh-oh dinner time's all done and then lovingly wipe them up, pick them up out of their high chair and put them on the floor or do, or with their playpen or wherever there is next. You just end what the experience is after the unwanted behavior. You save your attention for happy times. It's rewarding for children, for people, when they're escalated or when they're doing an undesirable behavior for behavior- for an adult to continue to interact with them. Even if it seems negative, even if you are saying, no, 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 stop doing that. They're like, wow, I can manipulate the way that the grown-up behaves when I do this behavior. That's entertaining. I'm going to keep doing it. So the uh uh-oh song kind of cuts that off. And you avoid, you're not reasoning with a nine-month-old, right? You're not going to be like, we don't put our food on the floor because of X, Y, Z, right? That's not, that's not logical they are not going to understand that right. but they will understand after th- two or three repetitions that that behavior has no reward it just ends whatever you're doing you can expand upon the uh oh song or it requires you to expand on it a little bit when they're older so at preschool age maybe you have a preschooler who gets overstimulated and when he does or he doesn't get his way smacks his sibling so an uh-oh song in this situation would be uh-oh looks like we need a little break and so the benefit of preschoolers also is that they're small so you can move them mm-hmm. <laughs> physically mm-hmm. not the way you can't when they're 14 so you'd sing uh-oh pick up the preschooler say it looks like a little bedroom time and we put them in the bedroom and that then may escalate into a tantrum, but you don't try to reason, you don't try to explain. The kid knows that hitting was not a good option. They know what led to them being to the room. You don't need to explain it. You mm-hmm. can trust that they are smart enough to, to connect the dots there mm-hmm. because they are. So you bring them to their room. If they are in a space where they're not already totally tantruming, you can offer them a small amount of choice by saying, do you want to keep your door open or closed? Sharing control. Like you're going to have some time in your bedroom. That was not okay. But you still have control over this one small thing. Mm -hmm. If they can't make the choice, then you would say, okay, looks like door is closed. So then you close the door and only have them stay in their room or stay away from the situation, whatever it was, until they are calm. And once they are calm, you welcome them back with happiness and joy and ready to play and you don't need, unless the child prompts it and wants to talk about what happened, you don't need to explain for the 100th time why we don't hit. You are just showing them through your actions that that kind of behavior isn't okay won't be tolerated in your home and you are addressing it immediately Mm -hmm. so lots of repetitions of that or really actually usually it's only a couple of repetitions leads kids to modify their behavior on their own for intrinsically which is what you want you don't want them to modify their behavior because of their because of fear or because they're trying to manipulate. You want them to make that choice on their own. They've learned this is not a good way to work in the world. I'm connecting those dots internally on my own. And so my behavior is naturally changing because of that, not because mom told me so. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does.
1: Uh it seems like though it might be a good time to talk to them about why hitting their sister or brother is not good at a time everybody's calm and happy. There's- yeah, and
0: I think that's a great point and it reminds me of a fun fact that I learned that made so much sense in in my love and logic training and it was that kids are the best listeners when they don't think that that you are talking to them, right? So, <laughs> uh when they don't think they're being lectured to or taught at. Mm-hmm. So that one way to help ensure that your kids hear what you're saying is to really have a a truthful and heartfelt conversation with another adult in their presence or with an older kid and include them as is appropriate but it's not like hey Joshua let's talk about when you hit and why that's wrong but to talk about your own life so like maybe with your spouse you say like hey, I wanted to talk about something that happened to me at work today. I was so frustrated because Jimmy took my stapler and I needed to staple something and I didn't know where it was. Mm. And I felt myself getting so frustrated because I had asked him not to take my stapler. So... I took a moment to uh, to pray and ask God to help me process those feelings and figure out what to do next. Or I took three deep breaths and waited till I calmed down to go talk to Jimmy, or whatever behavior is appropriate that you think might be helpful for your child to learn, and you talk about it in in your context. And that might lead to a bigger thing about like, God can help us when we feel frustrated. Feeling angry isn't bad. It's something that happens to everybody. We just have to learn tools how to do it. Here are some tools that work for me. So those kinds of conversations and having it at a separated time, and especially having it when a kid doesn't feel it's targeted at them, is one of the most effective things that you can do.
1: Yeah, really good. Now, I have one, one more question about this. As you were talking about the child in the room, what about the child that is not going to stay in the room is having a tantrum Mm -hmm. is running out of the room or when you're trying to catch them, when you've got other kids on your arm (laughs) and they take off in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. What about those situations when they are really exhibiting lots of power and control Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you don't necessarily have recourse?
0: Yeah. So a couple of different things. So in, in your home, it's a very controlled environment. That's the ideal place to work through these things. Mm-hmm. So the more practice you can get doing it at home, being consistent there, the lower the chances are that those behaviors will exhibit in the parking lot of the grocery store, which is the least ideal place for something (laughs) like that to happen. So when you're at home, let's say you, the situation we were talking about earlier, a kid smacks their sibling with something, you bring them to their room for some bedroom time, you offer them, do you want door open or closed? They don't answer because they've already started screaming and tantruming about how unfair it is. And you say, okay, door closed, feel free to come out when you're, when you're sweet close the door and then you step back you know your child you know they're not going to just be like oh doors closed I guess I better calm down they're going to open the door and try to storm you (laughs) and so my suggestion would be to just offer a broken record of the same message Mm -hmm. a human's stress cycle goes up ramps up peaks there's a variation for how long it stays at its peak per person. For some people, it's two minutes. For some people, it's 45. It's really unfortunate if that's your child, but it might be. (laughs) And so you let their stress cycle ride out because it will come down. So in this situation, you would just continue to say, "Uh uh-oh, bedroom time, and bring them back. No extra attention. No, it's, they're going to tire of that right you are being boring you're doing the same thing over and over it's similar for bedtime issues not wanting to go to bed stay in bed that you can just quietly bring them back to bed, lovingly tuck them in or put them in their room, whatever the situation is, and then remove yourself. And you may need to do that four times or 14 times, but you won't do it for eternity. They will stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you as the adult need to outlast that that stress cycle for them. And you can, and it usually doesn't last that long. Being prepared for that, I think is good, especially if you know your child well, and you know that they'll push back on that. To be prepared for it. You don't want a kid to catch you surprised because then that's extra rewarding. Oh, look, I can make dad's face turn bright red. This is fun. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, If you are just calmly prepared and, and address it in that way, it's less likely to continue for a longer time. Yeah, yeah. In the example where a kid is exhibiting a behavior that is really undesirable in public mm-hmm. or in a p- place where it's dangerous, one of the tools I would encourage you to consider is having a significant learning opportunity. So, an example they give in the book is a child who does not like to go grocery shopping. And when they get to the store, demand something like, I want you to buy me this candy bar. And when you say no, then they throw a major tantrum, laying on the floor, kicking their hands and legs, absolutely freaking out. Oh, that's um, so awful. Yes. And happens, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes. And and, like you feel embarrassed and you don't know what to do. You do need to get your grocery shopping done, but you can't drag this child around or trap them in the cart or whatever. And so it's, it's a very helpless feeling. So if you have a child that's developing a behavior pattern like that, then you can plan a significant learning opportunity. And that just means that you anticipate the bad behavior. You've anticipated this store tantrum And you already have a plan for it. And the plan is just a bigger version of the Uh Uh-Oh song, basically. You enlist somebody else in your life, someone known to the child, but hopefully not someone super fun and exciting you know not like your super fun uncle that you never get to see somebody that you see regularly maybe like a neighbor or an adult friend that's known to the child so not scary but can be an authoritative figure and you say "uh oh do you want to shop in the store with me quietly" or go to your bedroom and the kid's going to be like you can't send me to my bedroom we're at the store i know that i'm going to get my candy bar if i keep screaming or whatever it is and if they say like go to my room or if or if they don't choose you say okay and then that's when you text the person that drove also and is in the parking lot you say it's go time (laughs) they appear and say come on, sweetie, let's go to your room. And the kid is normally flabbergasted (laughs) that that you're following through on what you said and that person takes them home, puts them in their room. Usually this diffuses the ramp up of the tantrum because they're so surprised Mm. that you have... Orchestrated this thing, and mom or dad is able to do their shopping quietly, enjoy it, come home, and lovingly greet their child. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to see you! And normally, because it's a significant learning opportunity, right? It's memorable. It's unexpected. It is not something you would have to repeat as many times as putting a child back in their bedroom for bedtime, right? Because it's significant. So planning for a significant learning opportunity like that takes a little bit of practice, but can also kind of be fun and enlisting people in your life to help. And I think that it can be a really, really powerful tool for helping kids learn how to behave in society and a great way to enlist people in their life to to love on them in this unique way. Oh, that is such a good
1: idea. About a lot of these things I thought about over the years of raising my kids, I never thought about that one in a million mm.
0: years. I- Yeah. 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 It's a good, it's a good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really good. You really have to be smart as a parent. You have to be strategic and you have to be prepared. Now,
0: Mm -hmm. one thing I
1: used to do, I would try to preempt them taking off and running and I would say up front, the rule is you keep your hands on the younger child's stroller or you Mm -hmm. you keep Mm -hmm. your hand on the cart or, you know, you you don't let go and make that be something that was really important And then when they're busy thinking about that, they're not running in another direction. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's a a really good point is priming kids for what the expectations are will Mm -hmm. set you all up for success. So sometimes it's not a misbehavior. It's just no limit has been set. And so they're excited because they got to the park or the beach or whatever, and they just take off in the parking lot and they're not trying to be disobedient. They're just excited. Mm -hmm. So you as the parent setting up the expectations, keeping it simple, not hearing every expectation of what you are and aren't allowed to do but something like keep your hand on baby sister's stroller until we get to the play structure or whatever the limit is making it really clear saying it up front right before you get out of the car not at home so they have to remember 30 minutes later set that expectation And then be ready to respond if they do disobey. But chances are that they won't because you have set a clear and reasonable expectation.
1: Nicole, this has been really good. I so appreciate you taking the time to help us to address the preschool issues. Thank you so much. Of course. My pleasure. So we have the tools. The parent is attempting to implement them. And they feel like nothing is working, Mm -hmm. what what would you say to them?
0: I would say when you've been trying something and you're feeling like you're not making any progress, one thing to do is to get a new perspective. That might be therapist, your child's therapist, if they're in therapy, could be a school counselor, could be a trusted friend, but just get a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I would say, as it is appropriate, Ask your kid themselves. Say something like, you know, I've noticed that you've had a really hard time every night when it's homework time. Do you have any ideas for how we could make homework time more fun for both of us? And just see what they say. They might Mm -hmm. say, yeah, homework time would be better if I never have to do it again. (laughs) <laughs> and then you could say, okay, I can see, uh, you know, how that would be nice, but we do have to do homework every day. So do you have any ideas for how to make it more fun? So not necessarily mm-hmm. just squashing their first response, but acknowledging it like, yeah, that would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where none of us had any responsibilities? I agree, <laughs> but that's not the world we live in. So do you have any other ideas? And they may have nothing, but it also is showing them a lot of respect and love and that you value their opinion and that this is a problem that you guys want to solve together. So I always recommend uh, posing the problem to the kid and seeing if they have any ideas.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I remember one time when I was disciplining and I was set to give a not very harsh discipline. And I asked the kids, well, what should we do about this? What, you know, what do you think would be an appropriate discipline to help you remember next time not to Mm -hmm. do that? And they'd They said some terribly hard, you know, like (laughs) a year of not leaving my room, or something. (laughs) And I said, "Well, I don't think we have to be quite go quite that far." (laughs) But they often Uh, come up with, you know, they're not easy on themselves necessarily.
0: Yes, if you
1: give them the space. Mm -hmm. So when we combine love and logic with the gospel, how do you see the gospel giving opportunity for more peace, security, love? Can you just put that into a little nutshell for us?
0: I'll try. So, like I mentioned before, we know that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Being well-behaved is not a prerequisite for a child to be loved. And mm-hmm. that, is, that, that is mirrored in God's love for us. And kids who feel secure and loved have a much higher chance of being able to be successful with the behavior goals that we set for them. So I think love and logic is a sound approach for working with kids, but paired with the gospel, I would say it's, it's kind of an unstoppable <laughs> force for good. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the gospel is something every child needs, whether they have behavior challenges or not, but the difficult child can find a lot of comfort in the gospel story that mm-hmm. us being good is not what makes us loved. We can't mm-hmm. be loved more by doing good or less by doing bad. We just are loved as we are. Mm-hmm. And starting from that place, uh, most difficult kids have some self awareness that they're difficult and maybe some shame or challenges. I had one uh, parent who said when she was praying with her kid at night, he just confessed. He said, mom, I don't want to be a bad kid anymore. Like Aww. it felt it felt out of his control. And so yeah. the gospel is so powerful in that that's not where our identity lies, right? Mm-hmm. We can continue striving to get better, all of us, mm-hmm. but that we are loved as we are.
1: I love that. That's so good. Thank you. I was in a class that you were leading and you told a story about a child And I'm just wondering if you would be willing to share that story about the child in the paints?
0: Absolutely. Um, so it was, uh, uh, this is a story from when I was working at a camp, the camp I mentioned before for kids with behavior and emotional disorders. And we were all trained in love and logic, uh, prior to working with the, with the kids. So this was a day camp that was for elementary aged children. And I was a leader in the five and six year old group. One of the areas of love and logic that we actually haven't talked a lot about today, but is is an important one is the like methods for guiding kids to solve their own problems. So passing the problem back to the child. And so this is where this story comes in. We had recreation time um, and I had one, you know, in any group, there's often a, a, a standout uh, child who is e- exceptionally challenging, even among a group of challenging children. This little boy, I'll call him Josh, was, was really mistrustful that adults would stick with him. One of the first days of camp, he actually said, oh, well, teachers don't stay with me. Mm-hmm. He had been expelled from four different preschools and was at a behavior challenge for kindergarten and just had, had faced a lot of hardship and a lot of what he would probably perceive as rejection. So the first few weeks of camp were definitely a testing. He was testing us like, are you going to stick with me? Teachers don't stick with me. So anyways, we had recreation time for our group of about 15 kids and we were doing uh, chalk, just chalk art for 20 minutes or so outside, drawing things, writing our names. And Josh, inexplicably to me, took the little bin of chalk and looked me straight in the eyes and then dumped all the chalk down the drain so that the whole class now had nothing to do. So this was, why would he do? I mean, there's no, what benefit was he gaining from that? He wasn't even watching the chalk fall into the water. He was just watching for my reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was frustrating because the rest of the kids really were impacted by that. And we now needed to handle the situation, give the kids something else to do. So I asked my co-leader to take the class um, to the playground for the rest of rec time. And I could see Josh waiting for me to hand out the punishment. But I instead surprised him by coming up to him and saying, oh man, it looks like we lost all our chalk because you dumped it down the drain. This is a problem because that was the chalk that we had for camp. What do you think you're going to do to solve the problem? And he was totally flabbergasted he's like "Why? Well, I, I don't know I, we don't have any chalk and I was like do you want some ideas about how other kids have have solved problems and he was like okay sure and I said well some kids would solve the problem by uh, getting a job and getting money to buy new chalk and he, I'm six years old I can't get a job you know that okay so I guess that wouldn't work uh some kids might use their money from their allowance to buy new chalk how how might that work for you and he's like well i don't get an allowance i don't have any money what am i gonna do okay that, that then that solution won't work either uh some kids might make a plan with their leader to work for the camp to earn back the value of the chalk and he was like well, what, what What? would that be so it's like well you could maybe each we could have a chart and each day you could wipe down the tables after lunch and that would be worth one dollar and we could look up how much a pack of chalk costs uh, and and you could earn back that money and he was like oh well i could do that let's do that so he and I sat down and this really became what could have been a big fight. You know, he was mm-hmm. looking for a fight, became a real moment of connection and was really the first time that he and I connected individually, was making this plan together. Mm-hmm. And so we made a whole plan. He had, you know, it took two weeks to earn back the, the value of the chalk so that we could have chalk again at camp. Um, and he was delighted to follow through with this plan and so some one misconception that people have is that a consequence has to feel negative in order to be effective and that's not Mm. necessarily the case he felt purposeful he was able to right a wrong like he was able to make restitution for something that he had done that had impacted the class and he took it really seriously Mm -hmm. uh his his job and we marked it off and he earned back the money and it was really the beginning of a really positive relationship for us
1: Um, wow wow oh that's so great that is so great i love that story (laughs) that's so good So, Nicole, this has been so fabulous today, and I think parents have gotten a lot of of great tips and a great new perspective. Do you have any final words for our parents out there listening?
0: I think just a final word for any frustrated parents or caregivers out there is to start with one thing. Don't pressure yourself to make too many changes at once or to address all of the challenging behaviors but zero in and narrow your focus to to one thing and continue loving your kid as you already mm. are doing effectively.
1: That's yeah. so good. So Nicole, thank you so much for all of your input into all of our lives today. I've learned a lot and I know our parents have learned a lot too. So we are so grateful that you have taken the time from your busy schedule and adjusted your work schedule to be able to be with us. Thank you so much.
0: Of course, my pleasure. Thanks, Lori.
1: Bye. So that concludes our podcast series with Nicole Radin. I hope that you got a lot out of it. I sure did. Be sure to check out the show notes. There are lots of resources there. And if you have more questions or comments, be sure to email me at lori at kidstrengthforlife.com. I encourage you to practice a tool or two this week and let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear from you. And remember to rest in the Lord this week.